Subscribe to this podcast to get exclusive access to the after show Shooting the Breeze. Welcome to Ghoul Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we will be speaking to Christian filmmaker Eric Christensen about his uh, film Unmasking Hope that is going to be released in January. And uh, we're going to talk about how God has kind of guided his journey in film and uh, what the film process has been like with him. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ghoul Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. And today we have Eric Christensen. And he's going to be talking about their upcoming film, which I'm really, really excited about, uh, as well as some of the other films that he has done. Why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you did? Well, <laughs> my name's Eric Christensen. And I guess um, first, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'd like to call myself a man of God. And I, I also check in with another man that uh, follows, follows God and follows Jesus. And um so you know that's that's one of the most important things for me is a mentorship and a connection there in my spiritual life and i owe a lot to that and then um then in descending order i'm a husband father and then uh, i'm a filmmaker <laughs> and i hate the word filmmaker actually for what i do it's more of a it's more of a calling and um you know just uh over well over 30 years ago my home burned down in the Panic Cave fire disaster in Santa Barbara. And uh, I've been working in the film industry since I was, you know, small. I've been making films since I was about eight years old and working since I was about 13. But, um, you know, my home burned down in the Panic Cave fire disaster about 30 years ago. And um, that was kind of, I think we'll probably get more into it, but that was God's calling card. And that's when I, uh, after that fire, I produced my first film about recovery after trauma. And actually, it was more of a grief recovery film called Faces in the Fire. And um, then I guess the rest uh, just got laid out for me. Now I'm on my fourth film. Yeah. So that's kind of me in, in a nutshell. And not. A... I love that you brought up mentorship, because that is something I think is is a lot of times lacking in, uh, in people's lives. And I think it's important um, to have that mentorship in, in your life for, for your spiritual growth. So I'm really happy that you brought that up. I mean, we, we could go deep into that, but I can, I can tell you, uh, you know, I, gosh, I just lost, you know, my mentor of, uh, of 11 years, the last 11 years. And, uh, John had, uh, John was about 86 years old. He had about 56 years of sobriety. And, uh, I choose a sober, uh, cause of my, cause of my spiritual program that I'm in to keep me from drinking. But, uh, uh, I worked with John for 11 years and, uh, John saved my family a number of times. I need somebody that follows God to run things by and somebody that's actually been down that path before me, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, on my own, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't make the best decisions. And I really feel if, I, I really feel if men, um, particularly my age, 50 something and, uh, were to, uh, actually kind of submit yourself to another man that, and, and, uh, and, and make the, make the commitment to have that connection and ha- allow them to speak into you. I think, uh, there'd be a lot less divorce mm-hmm. and, uh, I think there'd be, it, it just, things would go a little bit more smoothly because on our own, at least for me, on my own, my own best thinking, um, sometimes isn't the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's really important. And I think both the, the mentor and the mentee, they end up 
both growing at the same at the same time because as one has questions and the other one has to try and answer it well they have to seek god for those answers and so they end up growing as well and that's why i think it's it's something that the bible focused on quite heavily is is discipleship and and i think it's something that we need to to roll forward and um it's something in my own life i've i've been hoping to to find that mentor in my life just because it's been it's been a long time since i've had a a, a mentor well I, I was so blessed with john and he passed five months ago and and then i knew it was time for me to and and you know in 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 my walk in my sobriety walk you know i have 31 years of sobriety through the grace of god in this program that i'm in and uh and so when John passed about five months ago, I knew I needed to get another mentor, but things are, it's, it's different now. And I told my wife, you know, um, it was, it was pretty funny. This is such a God shot is, uh, one of the, I had, I had my little, this is what I would like in my next, in my next mentor. And one of it, one of them was obviously so, you know, sobriety, more sobriety than me. The other one was to be in a long-term relationship, committed relationship, married to the same woman for long-term. And uh, I had no idea how I would find somebody with these uh, qualifications. And so one of, one of the people I work with and mentor was celebrating what you call his birthday, his sobriety birthday. And I went to our men's group and somebody else was, my my new sponsor steve was there celebrating his birthday with considerably more time and he shared oh yeah i've been married to my wife now for 58 years and i'm like Incredible. boom i'm like this it, it couldn't be easier so i called him the next day i said steve you know john's passed and i need somebody to uh to you know run things by and and uh and make a relationship with now we're building a new relationship and yeah. uh and i have to be very intentional about that yeah, and he is a man, that, and he's also a man that he's a godly man, and and that's that's one of the prerequisites that uh, we have the same beliefs. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I have a new I have a new uh, mentor, and uh, we're starting to get to know each other. He's been very very helpful, but it's a whole different playing field now that I'm a little bit older. You know, it's it's just. But anyways, we could. That's a different show. Yeah, no, no, and that's really cool. My wife and I have been married 15 years, and uh, mm -hmm. I I am very saddened when I see so much divorce and even within the christian community um just people aren't willing to to hold on and, and work through struggles i mean god never promised that marriage would be easy <laughs> you have right? to you have to work through it it's like our relationship with god you um, know and we have a i have a tendency to make some bad decisions open my mouth at the wrong time things like that and you know to have somebody to run that by and have somebody that's been there done that have somebody that has grandkids you know ahead of me and is able to like tell me what it's like and it's just awesome yeah so i highly recommend it for any any man it will improve you it, it it's not it's it, it doesn't show weakness to ask somebody else to help you out that way no for sure and what does your testimony like uh look like how did you come to know the lord and what, what was your life uh like after you came to know the lord you know i i grew up in a i guess a lutheran family or whatever it was you know but we went to church i went to sunday school and everything and and uh you know i've always surfed my whole life so i had a i had a deep spiritual connection with god already you know and and uh that kind of understanding but um really i mean the whole thing and i had a relationship with jesus you know and uh 
but it wasn't too tight, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I went off on this direction of drugs and mainly alcohol. And, uh, and then my, you know, when my home burned down in the Panic Cave fire disaster in 1991, 1990, I'm sorry, it was 1991. I got sober. <clears throat> it, um, but it was June 27th, 1990, over 30 years ago. And, um, you know, that was, I, I didn't know it at the time. I was devastated. I was angry. I was drinking way more than I was even drinking before. And it took about seven months. And the woman that's my wife now it was what was what you would call my Eskimo gave me this guy's card and said, this guy, you know, Don R doesn't drink or do drugs. And he seems like a very happy guy if you're tired of doing what you're doing. And, uh, so I went to go see, I went to go see Don and, uh, he said, you know, do me a favor for three months, just don't drink or do any drugs and come up here and we'll start to go through these steps. And so I started doing these steps and they're all spiritual in nature. And they actually came from um, a Christian group. And uh, I started working on these steps and somewhere along the way, I had a full on epiphany that I didn't have to drink anymore. And it was God lifting that obsession from me. So flash forward about 10 years later in my sobriety i'm kind of wondering gosh you know i've heard about this jesus guy i'd really kind of like to get to know him again you know it's like uh, it's just you know this this spirituality is all great but i i just you know i need i need i need a spiritual mentor i need i need a connection you know um and uh that's when uh, actually of all people christian Hisoy, who's a professional skater i i heard about his testimony and how um, he came to know Jesus. And uh, I, I just wanted, you know, it's funny. I just want to get reacquainted. And all of a sudden I was thrown in the middle of it. And we started going to church. And I started running a uh, skateboard ministry because I was skating at the time. And uh, I was an old man skater. And then I started running the men's recovery ministry. And things just got crazy at church. And I got super busy. And um, then, you know, we had our kids. And it was a... Uh, forest home christian church camp and everything and then you know that's that's how that happened and now um you know i my eldest son just got married and uh yes. yeah he went he went back to my wife's catholic roots and so he got married in the catholic church but he's very devout and he's a spiritual man that way too and so and he knows jesus on you know he has his own relationship which is really great and i have two other kids and they're all growing you know, in, in, in different ways in their spirituality. And, uh, but that's, that's basically how it happened. You know, it, it came layer upon layer and God, God saw fit that, you know, and that's how I think about that. I mean, it's crazy that God saw fit to like burn down almost a whole city to, it wasn't directed at me, but it, it, it was to get my attention. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's why I go back to these films that I do is they're my calling that's what that's what i can give back you know god save me god save me from drugs and alcohol god save me from you know so much and now he's given me so much with my family and my wife my wife number one then my family and and now i have a new daughter you know in the family and um and i'm a functioning functioning semi-adult kind of person <laughs> but uh it, it's just it's just, it's amazing. And, um, but these films really are my calling. It's not like I do have a choice if I make them or not, but it's just, this is how I go out into the world 
and exhibit Christ-like behavior. Because no matter what, if they're believers or not believers or where they're coming from, I just love on them. And uh, my whole crew does. I teach them that. And uh, that's how you saw Searching for Home. That's how I, how I get such amazing interviews. Yeah, and that was because the people uh, come first, and I love them. Yeah, you know, and I, I end up being friends with these people for lifelong friends. Yeah, and, and that, uh, that movie, if people haven't watched it, I definitely recommend it. It was very well done and uh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's Searching for Home, Coming Back for More, and it's on Hulu and a couple other things. I I, I think we're just renewing it right now. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredible, uh, and I. I, I think that uh, people's testimony of addiction is is something I, I've touched on so many times in the podcast is because I think it's it's where a lot of people are at right now is is there's different forms of addiction, uh, whether it be uh, uh, drugs, alcohol, gambling, porn, um, even technology. I, I definitely have a technology addiction. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, my, it probably drives my wife nuts, actually. But uh, I know back when I, I used to be a manager and, uh, of a store for a couple of years and I was their youngest manager and I was not ready, uh, for management. And it was so stressful. They had me managing both a warehouse and a store, which no other manager in the country for them was doing. And so it was, it was too much for me. It actually destroyed my body, put me in the hospital and they still expected me working <laughs> from the Man. hospital. Uh, I, I had no home life. I had no, family life everything was constantly texting emails phone calls um and so i i had no life and how i handled that stress was i definitely started drinking uh more and more uh and i was drifting further and further away from god i wasn't dealing with my trauma uh, i hadn't hadn't faced any of that and then uh when when my, my health failed I, I couldn't drink anymore and uh i it was actually harder that I thought that would be not drinking again. Um, but God was telling me, you don't need this in your life. And uh, I ended up losing that job. And, you know, I was actually quite happy when I lost that job. It was, it was even looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, other side from having kids and being married, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because um, God really just said, you are broken. You need time to fix and mend. And I'm the way you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I started counseling and seeing a psychiatrist and actually admitting to my doctors that I was uh, um, depressive and suicidal. Um, and I got to actually deal with my trauma. And when I went and started looking for work a couple months later, I had a ton of job offers like right away, um, including management again. And I, I turned that one down flat because I didn't know. <laughs> I, I did not want that again. Uh, I knew mm -hmm. it was not the direction. I wanted a family life. And uh, now I'm on disability. Um, and through that, God's again shown me, this is where I want you. This podcasting, right. getting, getting yep. the word out. This is where I want you. I've put things in place and struggles in place to help you grow and bring you to a point where you're following me. You're doing what I want you to do. And I see that in, in your story um that god brought you to that point where it's like you're you're doing what i want mm -hmm. you to do so i i relate to you greatly in that and i appreciate you sharing that with us i've actually never shared a lot of that with other people before so <laughs> i really appreciate that it's, it's funny what you're saying is um you know my first my first mentor um when i first got sober and he helped me through you know that first year 
and actually for the next six years after that. And, um, but he would always tell me the road narrows. And I'm like, what does that mean, Doug? What does that mean? <laughs> and it, it does, you know, it's like God, God gets a hold of us. And if we're willing and we bring the willingness to the table, then he, he starts to direct our life. And that road narrowing is not a bad thing. You know, it, it, it just, it gives us, it gives us gifts and it's not the gifts that we expect. It's not yeah. like, it's not cash and, and sweet goods and, and whatever. It's, it's, it's just, um, it's the treasures that are stored up in heaven, you know, exactly. and, um, and it just, that's why, you know, the work that I get to do is, um, I call it my soul food. Yeah, it's rewarding. Yeah. When you're doing what God wants you to do, it is rewarding. Mm-hmm. It, it feels, it feels good. Every time I start getting down and I do a test, a testimony video, it's like, uh, I'm God brings me right back up. And it's just like, it's like, thank you, God. Like that, that was what I needed. Thank you, God. You gave me that shot in the arm. Right. Um, and uh, it, it, it's better than any drugs or alcohol. I know I, I'd OD'd on morphine last year as well um, because I was going, I, I have a pain condition. So I, I go through a lot of pain every day and the morphine just stopped working. So I ended up ODing on it, put me in the hospital. My wife came home and found me comatose. Oh, um, man. And uh, so it was scary. And I haven't haven't touched any opioids since. And, you know, it was the only thing that really worked for my pain for a while. And so it's just like, now there's nothing to deal with the pain, but God's just, he's like, I'm going to give you the energy to, to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just keep trusting in me uh, and following me. I'll, I'll get you through this. Um, yes, I deal with a lot of pain. Uh, I haven't slept in, actually, I slept last night for the first time in, in about a week. Oh, um, awesome. Okay. So God's just, just at the right times, he's like, I'm going to give you just that shot of energy that you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't need the opioids. You don't need the alcohol. Um, rely on me. And uh, so it, it, it's it is incredible um, to to get across that message that yeah. God God is what we need. You know, it's it's faith. You know, yeah. it's that belief that in the unseen. And you know, when when I'm working with what I would call new guys and stuff, it's just that's the toughest thing to teach. You know, because it's like, well, I need a job. I need. You know, what about my family? What I'm like, put God in this, you know, getting sober first, put God in getting sober first. That's at the top of your pyramid. Yeah. And it's it's a tough thing to teach because they have to learn sometimes on their own that when you put other things in front, that uh, it's so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I need the job. Well, if you put God first and then you put your sobriety first, then that will come. And um, I've seen it happen so many times. Once the people surrender, you know, I saw, I, I see it yeah. all, still with me, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, your will, not mine be done. Uh, I mean, that's, that's like, that's like, I, I'm saying that all the time. Yeah. And people say that, but, <laughs> but the key is meaning it. Yep. And, and accepting it. And yeah, when it exactly. comes, yep. <laughs> exactly that isn't what i wanted yeah yeah and sometimes sometimes we think we we're like oh i want to do this and i was just talking Uh, to somebody yesterday in in, in theirs and it's like yeah doing what what i thought god wanted but it wasn't what god wanted it was what i wanted and (laughs) and it's like yeah yeah that's so true like it's not what what we want it's what god wants and i I always bring up the the saying uh, because it's my favorite saying and that is um man plans god laughs uh, oh, yeah. the, old, the old Yiddish saying because it's just 
it's so true like we just we need to follow god's plan and well i think i'm not sure where is where it is is in proverbs or something but one of one of my favorite bible verses is man makes his plans but god orders his steps yeah and i say that i say that to you know to people the guys i you know mentor and i i say that all the time i say that for myself you have to have a plan you have to make your plan you know, but you know what? God's going to order your steps. Yeah. You know, you can't be running out there without a plan, but God will order your steps. You have to say that to my kids, you know, mm-hmm. and I watch their lives unfold, which is pretty darn exciting because I have a daughter that's 20 years old and living in New York. Then my middle boy just graduated and he has his first huge job right now. And then my oldest boy just got married. So yeah, pretty mine, darn cool mine are seven and ten is what mine are yeah you, you're you're a little bit behind my, yeah, my wife yeah. and i yeah my my son's got um sadly follows him and with my health problems he's got a, a lot of problems right now that they're trying to figure out what's going on with him oh man he's uh doesn't have very much feeling um in the left side of his body uh he can't put he has no no muscles really that he can do much with on that side mm-hmm. um and so they're trying to figure out just what is wow. going, going on with him and we live three hours away so it's we just found out we're gonna have to make another three-hour trip to get blood work done that they don't do in the town i'm doing he had blood work today and they're like oh well this blood test we can't do you have to you have to go to Re- regina or saskatoon which is two or three hours away uh and the specialists are in saskatoon so that's where we go and that's where the children's hospital that he goes to is so we're like great that's wow. another another three-hour trip we have to make um and i can't drive and that's either. not cheap right now <laughs> no no and i can't drive i yeah. I, I, have, I have seizures for my pain so i mm-hmm. it triggers stress seizures so i i'm not allowed to drive so it falls on my wife which she's already our one income earner so it's more pressure put on her which is really tough um it's been a it's been a hard journey god's been teaching us through it um, yeah. to really just have that faith and reliance on him um trust that he knows best and he's going to get us through this um not much else we can do is is just pray about it so it's oh yeah a, a yeah journey uh and That's i also yearning. i think that all leads into um the, the type of films that that you do um about the the trauma so could you tell us a little bit about your various films that, you, that you've done in the in the past you know it, it's interesting because I, I there there is definitely a progression you know with faces in the fire which was done you know over 30 years ago which is weird to say because <laughs> i'm so young <laughs> um but that film you know, I termed that film a grief recovery film, but it, it it had what I would say my thesis in that it, it we interviewed like about a dozen people for that film about one event, you know, and I, I didn't even it was very naive at the time. That was my first film I've done on my own. You know, I've edited tons and tons of stuff, including IMAX and all this other these other films. But this was my first film and my thesis kind of ended up I didn't even know what I was doing at the time really but but after the film I noticed you know somewhere in the towards the end of making that film I noticed all those people were telling basically the same story the same story arc but different modalities different situations different walks of life and things mm-hmm. like that and but they were healing basically the same the same arc you know and it goes back to where I just uh, you know I'm like you know what God has us heal from grief and trauma oh, yeah. in a, a certain way. It's just like if we were to have a, a scrape or something, you know, how it scabs over and it heals and things like that. Very, very similar. 
there's a process to go through with grief and trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, and everybody follows that to a certain extent, but the world gets in the way of certain parts of it progressing and we get in the way of that. And uh, but you know, as I said, with um faces in the fire, it was about survival after uh after that uh the pain of K fire and the recovery afterwards and the grief. I saw that in all the different people, and even though they're not super diverse, but you know, a bunch of different individuals. Aggregate told one story. And so that became kind of my thesis, as I say. And then the, you know, about 10 years later, it took 10 years, and I'd done a bunch of other films after Facing the Fire. It won my first Emmy Award that was also in the catalog for the National Institute of Mental Health to help uh, practitioners debrief people that have been through uh, disasters. But then 10 years later, I, I did another film called Homecoming of Vietnam Vets Journey and how that kind of landed in my lap. I, I started praying for uh, another experience like I had with Faces in the Fire where I would grow from being on the one side of the camera and I could help others. And so I was in my men's group and my good friend Bob Trimble shared, oh, you know, a lot of stuff's coming up. My my um, my mom just passed away and uh, brought up a lot of stuff about Vietnam and turned out he's a Purple Heart, Silver Star Vietnam veteran, and he ended up going on this motorcycle ride from California to the Wall in Washington D.C. and uh, <laughs> and a few weeks later, I heard that, and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I got to go." And then somehow, I got enough money, and I was I, I went with uh, 300 Vietnam vets across the United States and made homecoming a Vietnam vets journey, and I interviewed an aggregate of different vets, and they were all kind of telling the same story again. So through that aggregate of those six different vets in that one, you know, I told one story about returning home from Vietnam and then finding some peace, finding some healing like 30 years later. Mm-hmm. And so that's Homecoming of Vietnam Vets Journey. And uh, that did extremely well, too. That was one of my first films on public television. One of my that was my first New York Times review. Very favorable. And uh, then flash forward, it was almost eight, ten years again. <laughs> I don't know why I waited so long um then searching for home coming back from war and what i wanted to do with that is really mix it up and go back to my thesis i wanted to not just have veterans of one war the guys coming home now i wanted to have world war ii vets korean vets i wanted to have a female vet i wanted i wanted to really mix it up because i i believe that they would all tell the same story again and again it happened and they were all telling basically the same story but different different experiences and so I don't know how many people were in that film. It was a pretty f- big film. And uh, we had a theatrical release on that. And uh, we worked with uh, um, vet centers. We had screenings where their mobile counseling would come out. It was it was an amazing experience. And then it went on public television. And we you were sharing with me about your podcast and, and how it's starting to reach so many people. I was, when we came into this, I'm like, okay, if 50 stations picked it up, I'd be really excited. So boom, 50 stations got it. I'm like, maybe a hundred now ends up. I, I think we way over 80% of all public television stations picked it up and it aired 2,300 times in, uh, in two, in two to three years. So it was very popular. And, uh, but then again, it was that thesis that I kind of had about this aggregate. And I told one story through a lot of different voices. 
and I don't use narration or anything. I just use the people's interviews. And I had dozens of interviews for that one. And, and it told one story about returning home after war and assimilating back into society. And, uh, and it was quite successful. And so with the success of that, I didn't wait so long again. And I'm like, I want to do another film, but I'm going to do a quick little ditty. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll, I designed Unmasking Hope to take only about a year to make and everything. But the idea with Unmasking Hope was I would choose a lot of super diverse people and super diverse traumas, not just, not just military, not just, you know, war related. And, um, you know, we ended up interviewing a lot of people. Unfortunately, a lot of people were, that's, a, that's the other strange thing about making these films. Some, <laughs> you can't put everything in it, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of people ended up not being in the film that we interviewed, but it came down to the right people. And we have 9-11 survivors, 9-11 first responder. We have mass shooting survivors. We have um, sexual assault survivors, particularly a gentleman that was assaulted when he was eight years old. We have military sexual trauma survivor, a female, and also PTSD yeah. with with her. And so, um, again, it's just on that theme, but this is even pushing it further. And um, this film ended up being magic. There's some stuff that happens in the middle of this film that really, uh, of all the stories coming together and, and talk about, you really feel, you know, they're all telling the same kind of story, but even though they're not 11 survivor and somebody's a mass shooting survivor, they're basically telling the same tr story of overcoming trauma. And, um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the progression of all my films. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, that's it's, where I am right now. And am I going to do another film after this? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I hope I'm you... just going to go surfing and hang out. <laughs> I hope you do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's important to talk about PTSD and, and all that, because it is something that, you know, people usually associate with, with war veterans. But, uh, one thing, uh, when I had PTSD Foundation of America on, uh and they have their camp hope program for war vets and and all that and you know it's just so sad how war vets are often abandoned by uh, by the governments they're used and then just thrown away there's no proper support out there for them they and uh so there's then there's a shame attached to it the, the stigma of shame and it's like there is no shame in in having ptsd uh, I, I'm so thankful for the war veterans and anybody in uniform, uh, whether it's war or police who, or a firefighter or even paramedics who are out there and they have PTSD because of what they've seen. And uh, I just, I think it's important to get that message out there that there's no shame in admitting. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's breaking down the stigma and especially in the military, there's a huge stigma around PTSD or PTS and, um, it just, it's, you know, we, we spent a lot of money getting our men trained and willing to go to war and, and, and going to war. But then when they can come back, oftentimes they're on their own. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I got to tell, I, I just say one thing. I just see the VA in so many target hairs or, you know, or, tar or whatever. And so many, you know, just so much ridicule on the, on um, the VA and everything. And, you know, it, I met angels in, in the VA system, you know, and they're trying their best, but man, without the support they need, and it's just, exactly. it becomes a bureaucracy because it's an overwhelming task that they're faced with. But, um, 
there are some really, really fine people trying to do God's work through the VA. Yeah, and I don't and, think um, it is it, it is the VA that's the problem. I think it's our governments, that the politicians. Oh yeah, not I mean when support when um when you know they had a fight for uh, the uh, the health bill for the 9-11 first responders. That was ridiculous. Why would you have to fight for that? And yeah. and thank God for people like John Stewart. Who whoever thought John Stewart would come through and be such an articulate, beautiful voice for the 9-11 first responders and stuff and get that bill passed because they, they deserve that. There's people that responded to 9-11 and had, I mean, it's a, it was a massive undertaking. <laughs> it's just unbelievable oh, yeah. to think about what they had to go through. Yeah. What they had to um, see. And, um, oh. and, you know, of all, all the people I've interviewed and met, you know, they didn't think twice about going down into the pit and taking care of business. You know, that's just beyond what any average person could think about. Same with the military, yeah. you know, our, our veterans, same with what they've done. But, uh, but, you know, just as far as like something um, that is really deserved is, is that healthcare, that long-term healthcare that those yeah. 9 first responders are getting. Well, and uh, you know, it just it couldn't have painted more of a picture when uh, there is, there is a, a town hall, that our prime minister went to and a war veteran was there and he's he's like what about us you're not like we're not getting the, the mental health support that we need we need your support we need funding for this and uh the prime minister responded with um you're asking for too much <laughs> and it just painted such a picture for me i was just like that says it all Right. We ask the world of these war veterans, of these first responders, uh, and yet when it comes to giving them the support that they need, they're asking for too much. And I'm just, I was just, I was like, I knew that that was their attitude, but you said it. Mm -hmm. Like you said it. And yeah. like that to me, just uh, how do you expect these people to go and fight for us? to go and and defend us in the streets if we aren't going to give them the support that they need afterwards. No, definitely. And and the same with our first responders and the same with the 9-11, the whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, that's why one of the reasons why, you know, we also spoke about, you know, if it affects just one person, if it affects change in just one person. And, you know, if, if my work just affects one person, which obviously, it, most likely has you know that it impacted me so <laughs> then, then then we've been a success you know mm -hmm. and uh you know just uh telling the story of the 9-11 survivors in in my new film and telling the story of mass shooting survivors i don't think we've really seen um this story post shooting um like we have in unmasking hope and and then it being interwoven with people like Lyman Montgomery, who was sexually assaulted when he was eight years old, kind of telling the same story, kind of coming to the same place where he had to, to begin his healing, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for what I get to do and my calling. So we've talked a lot about, um, unmasking hope, uh, and, uh, you've kind of hit on what the purpose is. Did you just want to, um, 
nail down to people what the purpose um, for the that film is you know one there's there's a lot there, there it's it's very layered um you know one of the things is i do want to show that to create tolerance a little bit of tolerance because people that are going through serious you know basic mental health issues um caused by trauma and grief you know it, it just it's not it's not a black and white thing you know the the survivors of 9-11 sure it was over 20 years ago but those effects on certain days it's just like it was yesterday and so when i say tolerance it, it's through seeing their stories it's through seeing and and seeing the mass shooting survivors seeing lyman montgomery still affected by something when he was eight that happened when he was eight years old that he has to work through for people to understand that basically we all have things to work through and that tolerance that's needed but it's it's a little bit more than tolerance it's my films produce a certain kind of hope uh empathy effect and so we start to think a little bit more that it's not just a snap judgment that was 20 years ago why don't you get over it it's like oh my gosh you know that is something that they're still carrying and, and and then maybe even apply it to your life and do a little overlay you know and and say you know gosh i still haven't really dealt with the grief of when my father passed away or whatever it is you know and then and then that produces like an empathetic response and, and that produces a little bit of understanding and then it produces tolerance overall because i think today it, in our social media driven world everything's gotten down to like a quick one sentence or two sentence black and white judgment and it's not that simple you know and and the other thing that i want to make sure that people see is a demonstration of hope you know we're never fully out of the woods with trauma where it's it's that doesn't happen you know it never fully goes away but in my film one things uh dr amit ekin our clinical consultant and one of the experts in the film out of Stanford University, he talks about how it's a disruption in your life narrative, these things. But it's also about rebuilding your life narrative and incorporating these events into it and basically owning it and then taking a little bit of control over it. That's where like memorials and things are so important. Mm -hmm. Going back to the 9-11 memorial with the 9-11 survivors to place that actually happened. So they can actually see other people seeing that what happened there. They can actually experience it to a certain extent to themselves and start to take a little bit of control over it and start to incorporate it into their narrative. You know, three of the coolest things I've ever done is to walk the, the wall, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C. with the Vietnam vet and then to walk the 9-11 memorial with 9-11 survivors and a first responder and then finally one of the most beautiful things is going back to las vegas to the route 91 memorial garden with two of the survivors of that shooting and um wow talk about talk about getting god's you know god's economy that's just like <laughs> that's a pretty big paycheck in God's economy when you get to be first person to events like that.
and see them go and, and and grow from it you know the the both of the women from the mass shootings and and particularly route 91 shooting in our film were never ever going to go back to las vegas but we worked very closely with their therapists and prepared them for the journey and uh and part of that thing was um it was pretty cool that we've we, we have this all in the film that we went to really special beach found some rocks this is a this is a ritual for um the mass shooting survivors there we found some rocks we painted these rocks with certain messages then took them back and left them at the memorial so being able to do stuff like that is amazing but um going back to your question that healing's available and hope's available no matter how depleted you are dr Arya shalev out of the um the uh Hebrew University of Jerusalem, another one of our experts says that you're never, ever completely depleted. There is always something left, and that something left is just enough for him to start working with to build that hope and build the recovery. So that's that's one of the big messages. Yeah, and I think it's important that you mentioned, too, that it never does ever actually go away. I know with my own trauma, there are sometimes where I'll see something on TV or even a a song I listen to, it'll be like, boom, it'll just hit you. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just like, it, it never does leave you. And the the important thing to remember is that God does give us the strength to get through it and relying on God to give us that, that hope. Yeah, a friend of mine always used to say, God never gives you more than you can handle, but he's going to max you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why um, Philippians 4.13 in particular, I absolutely love um, that I can do all things through him who gives me strength, who strengthens me uh, in the actual full context of that verse. Uh, not meaning that, that you know, everything's going to be easy and rosy, which is what a lot right. of people kind of take from that. It, no, God God is going to put us through trials. We are going to get, go through struggles and God's going to use those to give us strength and he is going to give us the strength to get through those times. And uh, it's just something that has helped me many times remembering that verse and, and how he, he, he is giving me the strength to, to get through. He's given me that hope. Oh, totally. And I, I see that, I see that all the time in working with people that, are in my films <laughs> you know I, I put myself in their shoes using my you know god-given gift of empathy and um i don't know if i could do the same thing you know and just keep moving forwards and that's the beauty and that's the beauty of the unmasking hope is that we see that and i hope it inspires people no matter what their situation is yeah and when is that movie being released now um it's going to be on public television a public television station near you and you can go to our our website and we will have a page that will point you to that or you can go to your local public television station and ask them for unmasking hope but that will be coming on public television january 23rd starting january 23rd and uh yeah so i'm very excited to have my my it will be my new year's baby <laughs> you know as i said i thought it'd take a year to make this movie it's been over four years now so um yeah. it, it's quite a labor of love and you mentioned your website what, what is that website oh yeah the, the website is unmasking hope the movie.com so unmasking hope the movie.com and then on all social media it's unmasking hope you know awesome. hashtag or whatever it is you know instagram 
um, Facebook, you, you can find us through Unmasking Hope. So going back um, to your roots a little bit, how did you specifically get into filmmaking? Uh, and what has uh, that journey looked like with uh, for you? Uh, and how have you seen God kind of working through the various times in that in that whole process? You know, that's that's a really cool question because I can't remember when I first got my first regular eight camera. It wasn't even super eight yet. And but I remember making my first movie with a script um around eight years old. So I was about in third grade or so. And I was shooting on film. And I remember I lived in Long Beach, California, and I was a big fan of KCET, uh, which was our local local public television and they had all the cool shows on there and i remember when i would make my movies i'm like one day maybe i might be even on k you know on kcet and the funny thing is kcet premiered my film searching for him coming back from war 30 something 40 something years later that's, that's cool but um you know it's interesting when i was that young i, I kept i, I you know I, I make films all the time little films and stop motion films certain little surf films little story films, chase films, all these things. And I always felt like inside as a child and this, it's it just that I had some sort of message that I had to get out, you know, and just keep doing this, just keep doing this. And I was driven. That's all I wanted to do was make films. And, um, and uh, I lost a lot of those films in the Painted Cave fire disaster. They were in my house mm -hmm. that I made earlier, but I just found a bag of them recently. It's right over here. <clears throat> I'm excited to get them transferred to see what they are. But, um, but I just, I felt I always had some sort of message and it wasn't until my home burned down in the pancake fire. And I started working on the film that would eventually be facing the fire that I realized that was really my calling. Um, I did some wild films before that. And I edited, I was known for, you know, being a kind of flashy editor. I did a lot of music videos. I did a lot of, you know, experimental work in CalArts. Uh, which I'm very proud to be a CalArts alumni, uh, California Institute of the Arts, and uh, it's a Disney school that I went to. But Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, um, uh, Tim Burton, all sorts of amazing alumni. But um, it wasn't until my home burned down in the Panicate Fire and I did my film Face in the Fire that I really did find my calling So so many years later. And now there's no doubt what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's very different than that flashy style that I used to have. So um, it's um, it's God definitely at work. I have no no doubt. You know, I really have no doubt. You hear a lot of people say that. Oh, I have no doubt. But yeah, there's just too many things that that have happened. You know, as they say, coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. <laughs> yeah my parents used to tell me because i never shut up growing up that uh, uh i'd be a good radio host and i'm like look at me now i mean <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess they were right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but that's that's how i got into it and uh gosh yeah i i remember that i remember those days i remember running around with my little camera when i was eight years old so yeah and another thing my parents used to tell me i should do is voice animation and uh, I did have the opportunity, um, somebody had offered for me to do that, but uh, the films that they were doing were not um, very faith-based at all, so I ended up mm -hmm. turning, turning it down, because uh, I'm like, yeah, no, I, if it's not going to be 
if it's not going to be along along the line of uh, of my Christian upbringing, then uh, I, I'm not doing it. Yeah, right. <laughs> as cool as it would have been to to do voice animation, it just wasn't wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not at this time, anyway. Uh, so, what advice would you have for aspiring filmmakers out there, young Christian people looking to get into filmmaking? Gosh, you know. <laughs> That, that's a tough one. I, I, I think what you really have to do is to find your voice because, and, and that means like to follow what's really genuine to who you are and let life kind of, let life experience kind of point you in that direction instead of trying to either copy what somebody else is doing or find just a a hot button topic and try to do a film. It's just, you need to, make it personal and and the more personal it is uh the more genuine it is and that really comes across in the filmmaking you know with interesting thing is with unmasking hope unmasking hope starts with the scene from faces in the fire of that fire that took my home it's actual scene of the fire that was in that film but it's actual face it was actually the painted cave fire and that's my kind of stamp how i started the whole film to make this one mine and uh and say this is you know the story i'm telling and uh and that's that's my advice it's just the genuineness you know and i was i was once told by one of my teachers at california institute of the arts you know it's like don't don't try to be the flavor of the day just keep doing what you do and do it the best you can develop your own voice. And one day you will be the flavor of the day. I don't know if I've been the flavor of the day yet. I've got my New York times reviews and I've gotten a lot of people to watch my films. I don't know that if that's happened, but I've been totally true to trying to stay to my voice. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Uh, Cause I think that's something we, we see lost in music and film industry is uh, it's why there's that feeling that there's nothing new out there is uh, because yeah everybody is they're just doing what the other person has done or um, there's a certain sound that that uh, either country music or pop music or rock music likes and so that's what everybody's going to produce and instead of just making your own road like making your own way in it and that's why i like a lot of independent artists uh, because a lot of them are they're 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 making their own road they're not being picked up by the mainstream because they're not putting out mainstream music well, it's real. It's real easy to get. It's real easy to get lost in that, and and um, and it's easy to get lost in trying to find your own voice too, and 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 just question yourself. And I, I love what Billy Joel said. You know, part of the process of being an artist is to get lost because you discover something on the way back. Mm. So, yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing with us and uh, coming on. I look forward to when the film is released. We'll have you back on after that as well because uh, I, I think that'll be great. Sounds great, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just been listening to Christian filmmaker Eric Christensen as he's been talking about his film Unmasking Hope, some of the other films that he's done, and how God has been at work through this whole filmmaking process. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com. Well, I have just been uh, blessed with so many people who are requesting to be on the show, and I'm impressed with how many people want to share their testimonies or what they're doing uh, for the Lord right now. Uh, if I haven't got back to you, I promise I will get back to you. Uh, I look forward to, to speaking with each of you and interviewing you. And uh, 
keep tuning into the show. There, there's lots of, of new people that are coming on here, and if you're considering wanting to, to come on the show, uh, just shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com, and uh, I will get back to you. <laughs>